everyone. Before today's episode, we wanted to let you know about an extremely exciting interview we just did with Dr. Carrie Gress, author of The Marian Option and The Anti-Mary Exposed, Rescuing the Culture from Toxic Femininity. She was an absolute joy to interview and is really the pioneer in discussing the toxicity of feminism. So we are super excited about sharing this video interview with you. It will debut this Friday, or All Saints Day if you're paying attention, and it will be available in both a video and audio format. So you can tune in here in your regular podcasts, or you can check out our YouTube channel, Freed from Feminism, for the video version. Thank you so much for listening today, and we really hope that you can check back in with us on Friday, as we think you will really, really enjoy this fascinating interview with Dr. Gress. Thanks again, and see you again on Friday. Welcome back to the Freed from Feminism podcast. My name is Teresa. And my name is Beth. And we're back once again with a very relevant topic for you today, dating, dating specifically after feminism. So if you've been listening to our episodes and you think, okay, all right, I agree with you. You've been so-called pink pilled on feminism. Now you're asking yourself, how do you get out of this? And you start dating because dating today is difficult in our feministic culture. The sexual revolution has completely ruined the relationship between men and women. And now our whole dating courtship process has changed. You know, what should you do as a woman now? Do you just sit back and not do anything in order to, you know, have a relationship with a man? So now we're here to kind of help you navigate this new dating world now that you are no longer tied to feminism in any way. Exactly. It, you know, dating is hard enough in itself, not even mentioning the fact that, oh, yeah, by the way, you're Christian. Oh, yeah, by the way, you are not a feminist. So, I mean, you're just it, it's a very um, interesting way to date and it poses a lot of challenges. And both Beth and I um, just recently got married. And so we have it fresh in our minds. Um, so hopefully uh, the suggestions that we have for you today are helpful. We totally feel for anyone who is still dating out there. It um, can be exciting. It can be really wonderful, but it also can be really stressful and, and disappointing at times and really confusing. Um, and so hopefully, again, what we will say today will encourage you and give you some really good practical um, ideas to implement in your uh, your daily life uh, with regards to dating. So how do we survive in this environment now, Beth? How do we find godly spouses that will value, you know, a, a relationship that is centered around God, but also centered around for lack of a better term, just the traditional gender role dynamic? Yeah, see, that's the question. It's a difficult thing. Um, and I think for some women, and we found ourselves, it's hard too, because um, you you know what you want, but you just, you're just waiting for the man. But 
what's good in the meantime is for us to sort of look at what the Bible and what the church teaches about relationships so that you know what to look for when a man comes. So you're not finding yourself in a situation where you are maybe you like a man and you've been talking with him for a while, but you're not really sure about something he's doing, if it's good or not. So, you know, we, we should look at what the Bible and the church teaches about dating so that we can see you know, how is a man supposed to act in a relationship and how is a woman supposed to act in a relationship. Then you can take what a woman is supposed to act like and apply those things to your relationships to sort of discover you know, who it is that God has out there for you. Right. That's really well put for us Christians, specifically for us Catholics, marriage is a vocation and which, which makes it, you know, confusing in its own way, but also kind of easier in another, because we can start there. We can start from, okay, is marriage my vocation? If it is great, let's pursue this. Let's go down this path. If not, you have another path in the, in the equally as wonderful, um, religious life. So that, um, to me, that's kind of the first thing you need to uh, focus on is determining whether marriage is your vocation. And, and another conversation we can have is how, how you can even discern, discern that properly, which perhaps we can, um, discuss at another date. But, um, going back to what you said, Beth, about, uh, the church and what she says about dating and courtship and all that. Um, she says beautiful, beautiful things about that actually. And we have some quotes here from the catechism that, you know, in my opinion, Beth, the church has by far the most wonderful, beautiful ideas about marriage. I mean, there is nowhere else you can go to get this idea of how just existentially wonderful and beautiful and fulfilling marriages. Mm-hmm. No, completely agree. I mean, when I remember in, in my recent marriage prep with my husband, it was refreshing to hear such beautiful things about marriage, because if you, if you find yourself you know, in love with the Catholic church and in love with the teachings and you just want to serve God as best you can. Sometimes you feel as if the only way to do that fully to the most extent may be religious life, but the church puts marriage on this, um, in these beautiful terms as well. And about how, you know, our ultimate goal in this life is to, to seek God as much as we can and give him glory um, and to, to gain holiness. And the church gives us these vocations to do that. And with marriage, there's a beauty to it because, you know, it's, it's very hard to love somebody no matter what. And so marriage provides this way of showing Christ's love to us through the husband and the wife. And ultimately through that, providing the sanctification of each other's souls. So, in marriage, building each other up, you know, seeing each other's faults and helping people, helping each other overcome their sins and their flaws so that you too can lead each other to heaven. And that is, that is what's so beautiful about it. Um, because you have somebody Absolutely. there to help you. Absolutely. It lends so much more meaning to marriage than what our secular society you know, says marriages now. I mean, it, it transcends a contract like 
our wonderful Dr. Han likes to say into, you know, a, a covenantal relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's, and it's not just like everybody says in society, um, we actually examine these in our marriage prep. They say reasons to get married. It's usually just, you know, finances or, you know, just secular frivolous things, honestly. But really our main goal for marriage should be getting to heaven. And you're going to find, if, if you find a spouse, it's, you're going to look at that person and say, I'm not getting to heaven without you. And they're going to look at you and say the same <laughs> thing. And that's, <laughs> and that's really what marriage is. And this, and this can be tricky in our world because in feminism, relationships are just to make you feel good about yourself, you know, to have a man like you, Ooh, it feels good. And then, you know, like it's self-serving um, versus what a marriage should really be, which is the ultimate sacrifice of yourself that, you know, it's no longer me. It is us. I'm here to serve you. Mm. Oh, nicely said. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about that, that relationship of, of trying, you know, the, the goal being getting each other to heaven is you can start that right now. You can start that kingdom that God created for your little family right here on this earth. And so you can start living in those sacraments and you can start, you know, kind of trying to become saints together right here on earth. And it creates this wonderful, amazing family bond and dynamic. That's just amazing. And it actually reminds me of your wedding, Beth, because you had a, um, I'm going to get this wrong. A Byzantine wedding? No. <laughs> yeah, so busy. it's a, a wedding in the Byzantine rite at the Catholic so Church. It's a so. Byzantine coron- coronation, right? Yeah, they call it the mystery of holy crowning instead oh, of my, the sacrament awesome. of holy matrimony. It's the same thing, but <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I just that I, I was fascinated by that, especially seeing it in person in your coronation. It was very visible making this kingdom on earth. You are crowned the king and queen of your home in God. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. We are crowned king and queen of our own little domestic kingdom. And one of the the beautiful things about our ceremony too, and if if anybody's ever never heard of the Byzantine rite of the Catholic church, do yourself a favor, stop this podcast and look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, after you're done with that, go ahead and look up a Byzantine wedding ceremony um, because it is, it's very beautiful. And one of the parts of it, we're wearing our crowns together, me and my husband, and we walk around the tetrapod with the priest, which is just a small table that has the gospel book. And as we walk around, we're basically saying, you know, the gospel is the center of our lives. And there's a chant that goes on and it's basically a chant to the martyrs. So here we have in what we mentioned before, you know, dying to yourself, you know, giving yourself up, for your spouse. It's the same thing for Christ, like through you're giving yourself up for your spouse, ultimately for Christ. And so you're singing about the martyrs and you got the gospel at the center and you're walking around. So it was beautiful. It was really representative of what, um, a a beautiful Catholic, uh, sacramental marriage could be. It was, it was amazing. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's so cool. All of the different wedding, tra- the, the wedding traditions out there for Catholics nowadays too, even in the Roman, right. Um, just to sort of show this, it's not just, you know, you and your spouse deciding this sounds like a really good next step in your relationship <laughs> or you and your, you know, the person you're dating, the man you're dating, but actually, you know, telling that person, you know, I'm going to be devoted to you for life. 
Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so if, if one of our listeners out there says, you know, like, oh, I want that so badly, you know, I don't want to just be a career woman anymore. I want a family. I want a husband, you know, what would you tell them? Um, how, how should they get started with this venturing down this path? There, I have several suggestions, but I actually would just like to take just a quick second here to just reach out to those people who maybe don't have an excellent view of marriage. Someone who comes from a product of, you know, a divorced family, um, a family that parents have been separated or even, or even just, um, a single parent home for one reason or another. I just want to say this is a worthy endeavor. Like, Dating and courtship and engagement in a chaste and serious yet joyful way is worthy because marriage is so wonderful. I think we hear so much about how hard marriage is, which, of course, everything in life is going to have its downfalls and its its areas where, you know, we need to... Um, improve and, and maybe fight a little bit and then get over it. I mean, of course, but I, I feel like so many people just, you know, have such a bad idea of marriage now. Mm-hmm. I am here to say, and yes, I'm only a, literally a year into mine, <laughs> but it is so worth it. It is so worth it to find your Adam. It is so worth it to go through this frustrating and anxiety inducing process that for some women and men can take a lot longer than you originally thought it was going to, but don't be afraid. It is so worth it, especially if you are really praying about it and you're really wanting to do exactly what God wills in your life. Every moment, every tear, Every lonely night will have been worth it to directly answer your question is, okay. So you come to this realization, let's say of, okay, maybe this world is not exactly what I thought it was. So let's try, let's try the, uh, you know, traditional way of doing things just, just to see how that works. Yeah. So number one, it is hard but it is not impossible. So don't just don't get discouraged when you start down this path. It's going to seem like there are almost no one else (laughs) on this path with you, but don't worry because it's, it's not true. Satan will try to convince you otherwise, but just don't listen to him Mm -hmm. Um, and don't get discouraged. And then I would say also, and then I'll give it back over to you, Beth is don't get hold up in your own little world with regards to like, oh man, I just want to stay at home and Netflix and just not worry about it and just kind of go to work and then come home, Netflix or, or work out and then be done with it. No, take time in your life to actively pursue this vocation. So get involved in your community, get involved in your church Get involved in, you know, Christian organizations, volunteer somewhere, go take a class, go take, you know, go sign up for dancing lessons or, you know, get involved in things that will actively put you in a place to meet men who have your same values and your same beliefs 
specifically with regards to faith. What do you think, Beth? I I, I return that question back to you. (laughs) I can't second enough what you just said, actually all of what you said, because it's it's difficult when you find that you you think okay I, I I want to be married and as women we we should we understand and as we're learning here in this podcast you know we have a special and beautiful role but that doesn't always mean that we should be the ones taking charge and so for me I found myself thinking well gee okay I want to be married really badly but what am I supposed to do sit praying piously in the pew and help Prince Charming <laughs> just comes walking down the aisle in adoration. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult, but at the same time, you, you don't just sit back and wait for him. You are active. You put yourself out there. He's not going to meet you. If you're just watching Netflix at home, like you said, mm. <laughs> you know, getting yourself out there. And that, that can be difficult. That was really hard for me as an introverted person to get myself, even my husband now, he's all like, you got to get out and make friends. And I'm <laughs> but it's so comfy here in the house and looking <laughs> dishes to do. And so, <laughs> but it does, it's, it's putting yourself out there. Um, you know, as we would all agree, the best way it seems to me people would be in, a, you know, at your Catholic church, for instance, or in your Catholic community. But in today's sense, like, you know, in the 21st century, we now have the luxury of meeting people online, which may sound skeptical to you if you are like, no, I want to meet the man at my local Catholic young adult. Well, you know, you can <laughs> set your mind to it and you can try that and, and pray. And maybe that is how the Lord will provide your husband. But for Teresa and I, <laughs> we had to go beyond our comfort zones and actually use, you know, Catholic dating websites. And it was wonderful. We now are married to, to our now husbands because of that. And it, it took us getting out there. So you don't be afraid. Get yourself out there. Uh, also find support from other girls. That is extremely important when you try to date alone. Um, actually, when uh, Teresa and I had used to live together, but then we moved away. And I found it sometimes difficult in my dating relationship to, you know, navigate this world without another good, solid Catholic friend around to kind of support you. Um, I mean, ultimately it worked out for me, but it would have been like, man, it'd been so nice to just have a good old Catholic friend who could could just sit around and talk about your dates, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's good. And then the one thing that I would also like to say is something that I wish I focused on more is you want to prepare yourself for your husband and actually, I hate this quote. I'm going to share it just to say that's not really what I mean. Um, the whole run after God. And if you're you and so that a guy, a guy, I'm butchering the quote, but <laughs> you're running Fast. after God. And if a guy comes running up next to you, then, you know, he's the one because he's running to God with you or something like that. I, <laughs> I do not like that. You're not supposed to reach this level of holiness and spirituality and then god's gonna send you a spouse that's not true but our ultimate goal is to make it to heaven and you don't know if you're gonna die tomorrow so (laughs) my point is pray get your relationship with god as best you can you know devote yourself as much as you can to getting to know god um and then pray that he can provide you a husband so that through the years of your life you can have that support towards god with the husband by your side so that's what I would say. <laughs> you know, Beth, that quote that you just gave us right there about uh, if a guy can catch up to you running to Jesus, that actually, I've, I've heard that too. And it's it's not my favorite as well, because 
it reminds me of something that my mother said. It's it's opposite of what she said is, and it may be a little bit controversial. I hope it's not, but it's almost as if God set up marriage and, you know, it juxtaposing that to um, religious life. It's almost as if that he set those two vocations up so that those are the two ways that you can, you know, basically become a saint. You can grow as much as God meant you to grow. You know what I mean? And until you can fulfill your vocation like that, it's not even really possible for you to become the fulfillment of what God destined you to be. I mean, I can understand what you're saying. It's not to say that you can't achieve heaven on your own. It's that it's the fullness of yourself, the fullness of your vocation when you're actually in your vocation. So, I mean, I think of, you just think of the saints you like. I mean, a really popular one, St. Therese of Lisieux. And she was fantastic on her own, but she really fulfilled her vocation by joining the Carmelites. You know, it's just, I'm sure she could have just lived a sweet little life in the little town she lived in, you know, but Mm -hmm. it, she fulfilled it by joining her religious order. And the same thing with married people, uh, married couples. When you meet your spouse, you're, it's fulfilled in ways. Um, And so that's not meant to discourage you if you're not married yet, but that's supposed to inspire you that God has this out there for you. Just trying to get there. And, you know, and God, God loves you so much. He will make sure you get to that point if you want you to it. Or if not, you know, he sees your everyday struggle. I am amening to you over here. Again, Beth and I are great examples of kind of what we're talking about. And I, I won't talk for you, but for myself, I certainly was not as focused on my relationship with God. I certainly was not as laser focused on becoming more holy when I was single. As much as I tried, as much as I tried, I needed my husband. I needed my other half. I needed my Adam. God knew that. God knew that about my personality. And God knew that I would have to get to a place where I would be open also to becoming more holy and becoming not that obviously I've attained anything like that. All I'm saying is just the desire for such is there now, which was there when I was single, but, but nothing to the extent it is now. And as opposed to Beth here, the love of my life didn't come along in my twenties. He was off in the Navy actually for several years and um, then teaching for a while. And so we actually didn't get to meet until the early part of my thirties and uh, we got married last year. So I personally was ready to get married at 19. I thought I was. I thought, I, you know, I'm at any, at any moment, you know, the my Prince Charm is going to walk around the corner and I need to be ready, you know, kind of thing. But no, God had other plans. And it was a lot longer than I had thought that God would bring me my future spouse. So when I say don't get discouraged, I... No, that's an almost impossible task because we're women and we have a, you know, we're emotional creatures and it's, it's really, really tough being a single woman who is especially a Catholic woman nowadays, um, who's trying to live a virtuous life. It's extremely lonely sometimes, but 
just like Beth said, it's a wonderful thing to look forward to. The fact that you don't basically you only have two options. God created you for one of two purposes. One, your vocation is religious life. Two, your vocation is married life. So even if you are 31, 32 or older and you have never, you've not met your, your significant other yet, of course, just know that give God his time, give God his time because it will be so, so, so worth it. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Yes. And especially when you were saying how marriage has improved your prayer life. And I believe that too. I've seen that in myself. I haven't been married that long, but I've already seen it already. There's times where I said I would have been done praying right now if I was single. I was like, that's enough. God knows I care. And then, you know, <laughs> but with my husband, it's like, you know, you're going to give God some more time. Yeah. So, so if now you want to date, we'll give you, before we wrap up this episode, a few tips on practical matters. You are going out on a date with a man. So how are you going to behave? Mm. specifically with regards to kind of this post-feminism uh, discussion we're having, how do you do that in like today's society? Even when we live in the Christian realm that we do, where there are a lot of Christian and Catholic feminists. So yeah. men are kind of used to dating those types of, of women. My husband was, he actually kind of resolved himself to marrying a a Christian feminist and just kind of having to deal with that in the future. So how do single women do that nowadays? I mean, we have some suggestions for you. Take them or leave them. My first one would be because of feminism. This is directly because of feminism. Men are scared of women. They have huge walls up. Not Not that they're because they're like, cowering in a corner because of women, but no, they're, they're scared in the sense of why should they put themselves out there if they're just going to be treated horribly? Like if they open a door for you, then they get chastised because, oh, I can do it myself. How dare you be a chivalrous gentleman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that's what I'm talking about. They're, they're, they're scared. They have huge walls up because of their masculinity has been devalued and, and attacked. So in my mind, just try to make a point to project a feminine persona, one that is not challenging to their masculinity or competitive. And, and a a practical tip for that is don't focus on your accomplishments. You know, if you have a PhD, that's wonderful. God bless you. You worked so hard for that. And I'm sure, you know, you are very proud of it. But be cognizant of when you're having discussions with men, who cares? (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. in the long sense of things, is that going to make you a more holy person? Is that going to make you a better wife? Is that going to even make you attractive to the person you're trying to date kind of thing? So in my mind, focusing on your efforts to strive for virtue or your desire for a marriage uh, and family and your interest in getting to know him as a man, not just, you know, what he does for a living, kind of seeing cha-ching 
in your <laughs> in your head. <laughs> you know, getting to know him as a person, as a human, as a man, as a child of God, that can go, in my experience, a long way of kind of lowering that wall and actually creating attraction. No, I love what about that. you, Beth? I love that. Um, I completely agree. It's, it, I mean, even it's just your everyday conversations with people, you know, anything that kind of directs attention to you is just, it's just in general, not good because, you know, humility would lead us closer to God. So, you know, take the spotlight yes. off you and put it on him. So I agree. Um, I'd say one of the tips I would give is something that I think I've actually grown into more through my relationship with my husband is how you dress. And not sound like a grandma, but dress like a lady, you know, <laughs> put yourself in a dress so you can go on a date and not a short dress and appropriately length dressed. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you don't believe me that dresses are comfortable, it's probably because you're not wearing the appropriate length ones or you don't have comfortable spandex on underneath or something like that <laughs> because they are so comfortable and they look great. So go buy dresses and you know, message me if you need tips on where to buy modestly, modest dresses. So and I would wear that spanks. goes along. <laughs> yes. And Spanx. I'm all about them. So yeah, They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. So my point being, guys like it. Guys are visual creatures. Now, you're not there to make yourself super pretty for the man that you just have to make yourself look different than what you are. And you have to, you know, have your hair perfectly curled and pinned up like you're in the 1950s. No, it's all about just making yourself look beautiful, comfortably beautiful for that man to see you and think that girl is beautiful. Not, wow, she's wearing something scandalous. No, like she is pretty. You're not, you're not going out of your way for this. It's actually very easy. In fact, when you wear a dress, you only have to pick out one item of clothing. When you wear pants, you have to pick out two. So we've made your life simpler (laughs) here too. So that, those are my tips. So I know that is so awesome, Beth. And it reminds me of something that was reinforced by my husband because I have two younger brothers and they both told me this as, you know, they were getting to the age of dating and in college and stuff. Obviously my husband really believes the same way. It's really interesting to get the man's perspective of kind of like, how you, how you said, you know, you don't have to go overboard. You don't have to wear a bunch of makeup. It was so interesting to kind of like go out in public or, you know, see pictures of celebrities. And, you know, I'd be like, oh, wow, she is gorgeous. Or, oh, my word, don't you think that name your celebrity? I don't know. X person is, wow, just stunning. And they would be like, no, not at all. She wears way too much makeup. And I was really intrigued by this because I was like, well, so <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I, she's not like getting plastic surgery or anything. She's just wearing makeup and their answer, all three of them were, why is she wearing that much makeup? Mm-hmm. What is she trying to hide? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's basically what let's be honest. If that's actually what they're thinking, we can't really judge them for it. So that was really, really interesting how all of them much preferred the natural look of, you know, if you, if you want to wear makeup, that's fine. I do, but as natural as possible is actually more attractive to at least the the men that I've come in contact with. 
Exactly. Yeah. And guys sometimes don't understand makeup. So they, when you say makeup, sometimes they think of the girls who have their faces plastered. There are ways to wear makeup where they actually think, oh, you do look nice, you know, and they don't right. think about your makeup. So exactly what you said, you know, men don't want to see you plastered, but you can wear makeup to get them to give you a second look, you know? <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah. So And the dress thing. I second the dress thing completely. Like it is amazing. Dresses are like magic. They mm-hmm. really are. I mean, it sounds silly to the, the modern ear. It, I, I know that it, it, it sounds silly. Like, Oh, why would we have to wear, you know, stuff just to please men? Well, are you trying to go on a date or not? (laughs) Do you want them to ask you out again or not? And Oh, by the way, if you just stop for like two seconds and just enjoy the fact that you're in a pretty dress, I guarantee you're going to want to wear them more. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. So how about we give two more tips? You give one and then I'll give one and then we can wrap up our episode. So I would say the next thing I would advise women when they're dating Probably once you find yourself in a relationship with a man, this actually, I hadn't realized, I started being really careful uh, when I was talking to others. Don't ever talk bad about your spouse in or your, your, your uh, boyfriend if you're dating in public. And you might not think you're talking mm-hmm. bad, but never mm-hmm. say anything that seems negative. Now, if you need to seek advice and stuff, you know, seek advice in confinement with a trusted friend and do so giving your, you know, if your boyfriend's really irritating you about him, about something, you know, give him justice, you know, don't just throw him under the bus and say, Oh, he's so bad right now. No, like, you know, say, I really am struggling this. We want to get to a better point, but I'm struggling with this particular trait or the way that he's acting, but don't do that in public. People just don't like it. Imagine yourself talking with somebody and somebody's complaining about their boyfriend. You really don't care to hear that, you know? <laughs> so even if it just seems something silly, never ever say anything bad in public about your um, significant other. Wow. That times a thousand. I cannot say how I agree with you enough on that. That mm-hmm. I I come from a long line of um, <laughs> of family members who not my mother, um, or anything like that, but, um, who, who have done that. And let me tell you, there's no faster way to emasculate a man than to berate him or denigrate him in front of other people. That is such a good piece of advice. All right. So how about you give the ladies one more tip and then. Yeah. So, I mean, this episode could be like five hours long, I feel. So (laughs) I know we have so many things to tell you. (laughs) If I had to give just one, I think it would be, and this is going to be really tough. It was really tough for me. And it still is like to this day, my husband has to talk to me about this because Everything you're told about being a woman nowadays is to be powerful, to be strong, to do everything. You can do everything a man does. You can do it better. You can, you know, all that trite kind of thing. And even if you don't have an outrightly in your face, you know, kind of feminazi view like that, I will bet you $50 that you have some sort of I can do anything without a man 
uh, even if it's not manifested in in your conversations. Like, for example, something as little as me reaching for something that's just a little bit too high for my head. I'm I'm kind of a short woman, so <laughs> that's not hard to do. But even like in our kitchen, my husband will just be like baby, why don't you just tell me you need help? That's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, it's something little like that. Or, you know, when we were dating, like allowing him to open the door for me, allowing him to, to pay for things, allowing him to do even bigger things like nothing actually is coming to mind right now, unfortunately, but just, just allowing him to do things for you actually tells him that you need him oh, yeah. actually tells him that he is valued. He is needed. He is, he is wanted and his, he has a purpose now to serve you, to help you to be the big, strong man. And I know that sounds again, ridiculous coming from <laughs> a millennial in 2019, but that, that really is true. Goodness knows, email us, uh, tweet at us if, if that's not the case or if you want to just high five us um, electronically do that. But yeah, that that would be it is just kind of realize as much as possible how you can extricate that from from your dating life, like mm -hmm. not not to become, you know, just a a wincing little mouse. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Just, just realizing that a man finds his purpose by serving his significant other, a good man. That's how it, that's, that's how life works. So kind of, if you can realize that if, if he can do something for you, let him, cause that will make him actually feel good and want to do more things for you. I love that. And then you feel pretty good when he does something for you too, because you think, oh, I could get this jar open myself. No problem. But you know what? If you just surrender and you give it to him, it feels great because you didn't have to strain to get it open. <laughs> He's like, Here you go, honey. And you're like, thanks. This is awesome. Now I can have this jam, you know, no problem. So, <laughs> so I love that. Well, I think that, I think we're going to cut it off here. What do you think, Beth? I think so. Um, we're here to help you, so feel free to shoot us a message anytime with any question you have. Um, we got Twitter and email, so yes, please reach out to us. Yes, so use hashtag Freed from Feminism. Next podcast, we plan on answering any of your questions um, that you have for us. So just like Beth said, contact us on Twitter via the hashtag Freed from Feminism or direct message us or send us an email at freedfromfeminism at gmail.com. And just lastly, is kind of like a, a last note. I know we didn't really talk about this. We probably should have, but everything we're talking about should be seen through the eyes of how we can be more like the Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. How Glad we can be that. more like the Blessed Mother and how we can help our significant others to become more like St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And that I hope that doesn't sound trite. I hope that doesn't sound um, sentimental. It's really not because they are our models. 
Christ gave us those two wonderful humans as our models for what a good, happy, holy marriage looks like. And so if we're doing that, all of heaven is going to to help us do that. Yes, so true. All right, we're going to sign off. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Freed from Feminism. Please share this podcast and subscribe to it in iTunes or wherever else you're listening to us. And remember our hashtag, Freed from Feminism. Send us a note, send us a question, um, and our email at freedfromfeminism at gmail.com. And we will answer it next podcast. Thanks again for listening. God be with you until next time. <laughs>